being open to an elevated new experience with each other. I think that because of these patterns in our system from our histories, they can take over. But if we're only bracing against those patterns and not attempting to bring in a new elevated experience into this circumstance, whatever it is, family, social, festive, anything, then we're not actually attempting to do something really different unless we're practicing what you and I are talking about and also open to a new experience. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome to episode number 61 of the Art of We podcast. We are amazed that we're nearing the end of the year, but here we are. This is the second to last episode for 2023, which is very exciting to us. And this topic today is going to be about how to love your partner through the holiday season. And these are some practices that we've been really attuned to and working with that we feel might be supportive for when you have the holiday experiences or you get together with family during this darker time of the year. Actually, this comes out on the solstice this year. Sure does. So that means that we're actually, as this gets published, we're actually starting to get more into light, which is really cool. So maybe this is about bringing more light into your relationships during the darkest time of the year. And it's apropos of the solstice, we have a special solstice coaching gift for you. If you listen through until the end, you'll hear our instructions on how to cash in on that gift. Uh, Anything you want to say about that? We're just really excited. It's the first time we're offering something like this to our listeners, and we hope that you take advantage of it. So if you're in a hurry, hurry up and get to the end of this so you can... (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this is really about how to love each other during the challenging family parties or even social events that are festive, the New Year's time of year, whatever it is that your landscape is where it can be challenging this time of year with family or friends. This is how we suggest some places that you can, some ideas of how you can love your partner better. Do you want to kick us off, Will? Sure. Well, I'll just speak from my own experience that the holidays and especially gatherings with family bring forward parts of me that I don't necessarily see every day in my everyday life the rest of the year. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's worthwhile to explain a little context about that for those of you who maybe haven't had that experience, which may be a handful of you out there. But probably most of you can relate to the idea that you may notice yourself in a family gathering acting like you're 12 years old or five years old or, you know, much younger than you know yourself to be and aspire to be in your everyday life. So there are some interesting memory systems in 
the neurology of the human that can elicit expressions of younger parts of us. And what I'm talking about is smells that remind us of our childhood, like if you're visiting your family home that you grew up in, or the sound of your parents' voice, or the trinkets or things that are in the home of your family member that you're visiting, or... Or the person in your family, the person in your family who's like always a little bit off or just a little bit not quite attuned to what's happening. Yeah. Or maybe be drinking too much. Totally. Getting out of control again. And so these layers of memory that we have over years of spending time with our loved ones contain sometimes very unconscious or nonverbal or even somatic, you know, felt sense aspects to them that can come forward, especially during the holidays. And we can find ourselves struggling to fulfill our human potential and relationship during the holidays. So we thought we would just uh, talk a little bit about our own experience of working with that here today. Yes, I love hearing some of the science behind what's actually happening for us because it can be so easy just to avoid getting together with family members or uncomfortable situations because we just want to not be uncomfortable. But I think if there's the science, a little bit of understanding about what's actually happening for us, it gives us a foot up on what we're able to do in those moments. Yeah. And since a lot of our conversations here on this podcast are about secure attachment between two adult partners. Secure functioning. Secure. Yeah. Thank you. Secure functioning. (laughs) (laughs) We're practicing being a little bit more clear about those two terms. Yeah. Being more precise. And there I go, making it less precise. I think a fascinating element of the holidays is how, for those of us like myself and like you and like most people out there who grew up in a more insecure attachment pattern, that the undertow or the, the the gravitational pull back into the past also can pull us out of secure functioning into more insecure behavior and speech. So <laughs> That's so well said. I'm glad you just said that because I think it's a really important distinction about what happens because I just feel like if I get into some level of younger parts of myself based on my family and I come back to you, I get into a lot of guilt and shame for how I'm showing up with you because of what's just happening. So I I love that there's a way to talk about that now. Thank you for that. (laughs) And it's like, for me, it's like, God, I worked my off to earn (laughs) secure functioning with Krista. And here I am, you know, perceiving that I'm on my own again. Nobody has my back. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we share a little bit about how we, you know, what the opportunity is there to work with those parts and to support each other in those moments. I know we both have some ideas about that. Do you want to start about how we work with that? Sure. I I think it starts way before the challenging moment. It's kind of like we've talked before about how important it is to get to know our partners and, you know, really how they operate, what their triggers are, to learn how to be especially kind and compassionate in those red button moments that our partners experience, which oftentimes are not the same red button moments that we experience. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a big part of the beginning of any secure foundation in a partnership is learning the ins and outs and the, you know, the quirks and the warts that our partner has in their personality. So we can show up for them without judging them or getting triggered by them or 
descending into this uh, younger place ourselves, because when one of us is triggered, we need the other one to show up as a secure, you know, relaxed, balanced presence of care and, and reason. So I think the beginning is having that understanding between each other of like, here's where I go when I get stressed and here are the typical reactions I have. Like you were just saying, you go into shame, I go into nobody has my back. So there's sort of like two really good examples of like, our couples therapist calls it the myelinated path. It's like where you go directly when challenges occur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that we do is to even plan, okay, this particular event with this constellation of people is coming up. And where are the places where we might fall down or get triggered or lose ourselves? And we obviously can't always predict, but for me with you, it's always been super helpful to just have that conversation first and have a game plan for what's gonna, what we're going to do if one of us starts to melt into a younger age. Exactly. So one practice that we have come to love is doing what Krista just said in the car on the way to the event. So what's our game plan? What are we up to in this upcoming event? What are we up to points more toward, you know, our purpose or what we would like to stick to in the goal or the outcome of the event, how we want to feel when the event's over. But it also can point toward, you know, this is what I'm anticipating I'm going to have as a challenge in this event. And I'm just thinking back to an event we went to recently where we actually, we usually do that. We actually didn't, we forgot to do that. And I, I've had a pretty big meltdown. I mean, that's true. <laughs> I had a pretty hard experience, I should say. Yeah. And I just felt like I kind of like lost myself inside of the event rather than feeling really engaged and participating and connected to you. And it's interesting to see, to look back, to see that that happened without us having this kind of game plan first. I never saw that until you just said that. I'm glad you noticed that. So we've come to really rely on that kind of pre-gaming. Yeah. So in terms of the parts, we're huge fans of internal family systems and the work of Dick Schwartz around that. And if you're unfamiliar with that territory, it's a very deep rabbit hole that you can go down. But the, the basic idea is that there are aspects of our personality that are reliably going to show up in certain situations. And Dick Schwartz names some of these parts, names like the firefighter, the protector, the uh, disowned parts have a particular name in his way. I know we did an episode on parts work. Mm -hmm. So we could also refer people back to that episode to learn more about the specifics of it. Yeah, we'll put the number of that episode in the show notes. Yeah. And these parts, they tend to get split off from the whole of our sense of self at a certain point in time in our development based on challenges or injuries that occurred psychologically at those times. So the reason it's useful to explore the territory of internal parts with our partners is that if we know where our partner tends to go under stress, under very specific circumstances of stress, like you were talking about this event the other day that um, really grabbed you, right? 
then mm-hmm. number one, we're not shocked or surprised when our partner goes to that place because we know we can expect that that's coming ahead of time. So we're more able to show up for our partner and provide care and connection and holding. Mm-hmm. And so the repair or not repair, but the, the, the showing up for and the collaborative experience with our partner is much easier if we kind of know a little bit of their operating system of what parts can come up for them. One way that we also work with this is tracking each other's signals. So for example, I have particular signals that come up when I'm starting to disintegrate out of wholeness into some of my parts and you have particular signals that happen. And I can say that knowing you the the way that I know you, there's a sense of like, I can actually feel into the system with you. And I notice your signals when I can pick up that there's something going on for you. And the more that I've been practicing noticing and our intention of supporting each other in these circumstances, it's almost like being able to taste what's in a wine in a certain way. It's like you can taste what's in the field with your partner, Mm. even if nobody else would be able to tell what's going on with them. So there's ways that, for example, I think we've been reflected back to by our couples therapists that we both, like our eyes both get wider and bigger, (laughs) just a little (laughs) bit wider and bigger. There's, there's almost like a particular, I was going to say smell, but like there's not an actual smell, but there's a particular flavor of you, I'll just say, are a little bit off of how you would normally show up. There's your body movements might be a little bit different. Your way of speaking might be a little bit different. Your groundedness might feel a little bit different. But again, I don't think anybody else would pick up on these signals. And so the beauty of attending to this and knowing them is that we can actually walk up to each other and put our hand on each other's back, or we can pull each other out of the circumstance, out of the situation into a corridor or a bathroom and just say, hey, like, let's check in. And how are you doing? And what do we need? And you can also pre-game all of those signals that you might choose to use across the room at a gathering of family or friends where, you know, when I put my finger on my nose, it means I need help. Or um, <laughs> if you put your finger up your nose, <laughs> that, that means you're like drowning, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or when I, you know, put my fist in my relative's um, face or something, you know. <laughs> no, um, it's fun to have, and really well put, Krista, thank you for articulating that so well, that we are the ones who are in the position to know the subtle changes in our partner when they're happening, where they're, our partner's losing sovereignty and balance and a feeling of embodiment and flexibility. And I just really, I feel like if we're not doing that for our partners, who is going to do that for them? And from my standpoint, I feel like this is a massive way that we can love our partner truly and support them in a way that nobody else can. Absolutely. It reminds me of a vow that we made that we haven't talked a lot about yet on the podcast, but it it's uh, we vow to protect each other in public and private. Ha, I was going to bring that one up too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, why don't we just take a quick break and then we can say more about how this applies here and a couple other ways of how we support each other in being and feeling loved during the holiday season. Great. 
We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance. And now back to the episode. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to speak a little bit more about this vow that we were getting into before the break of protecting each other in public and private. And on the face of it, it seems obvious, right? Of course, if our partner is threatened in any way, we're going to protect them. But there's a subtle layer of this. Oh, and we need to, of course, thank Stan Tacken for writing those words in exactly that way. So that that belong that's from Stan. We appreciate Stan so yeah, much. Thanks, Stan. Yeah. It's a really good one. Yeah. We'll put Stan's link in the show notes as well if you're interested in checking out his work. We've talked about it a lot before. Yeah. So we're talking here about the internal version of that where we have a commitment to support each other to show up integrated, balanced, sovereign, empowered with our agency online. And that experience, of course, is the only way that we can really be fully present, but it's also the only way we can really be effective in the world. So we want to help our partner be in that state as much as possible, well-regulated. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you brought that vow forward because when I was preparing for this episode, I feel that it's really relevant in terms of how I love you through the holiday season, but throughout the year also, which is there's an extension to that vow, which says, we vow to protect each other in public and private, and even from ourselves. And that extension, and even from ourselves, I think is a really important practice, because I know that when I get stressed out, I can start to get really snarky about anything around me, and that would include you in certain ways, in different moments. And one of my practices is to not let that snarkiness lead my actions, my voice, my communication. And obviously it's an ongoing practice because I think it's really easy to take out some of our frustration or irritation or anger on the person that we love the most, our closest primary partner. So that's just another way that I want to speak to how to love each other is to really practice that. Like how do, what kind of impact are we wanting to have on our partner? And are we willing to tame the internal snarkiness and recognize it as a part of us versus throwing that on our partner when we get stressed or when it gets intense during the holiday season and there's a lot going on. Right. And also to remember that our partner can be a resource for us when we're starting to feel that irritation inside of us or, you know, impatience or whatever it is. It's like, hey, Krista, can you help me I'm noticing that I'm having trouble showing up for you in the way that I really want to right now. Yeah. There's something under my skin and I, I need help getting back in the saddle. 
Yeah, in all of these circumstances, whether it's working with parts work, whether it's calling out what you just said, I think the beauty of all of it and part of actually learning to love each other is that it's seeing the opportunity to repattern all of these things that are keeping us from feeling and giving and receiving the kind of love that we want from each other. Like when you say to me what you just said, I can show up for you in a different way. We can repattern how you work with your snarkiness and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. But we can repattern those things and we can see a new possibility with each other. Right. And as always, the self-responsibility goes hand in hand with the other responsibility that we, yes. we can't shortcut or bypass the self-responsibility. So, you know, it probably feels really different. Let me just try it a different way. Krista, something is really bugging me about how you're relating to me right now. Can you change the way you're relating to me right now? Or can you stop bugging me? Or can you stop bothering me? Or, you know, as opposed to me looking inside and saying, hey, what's going on for me here? Mm -hmm. Right? Key. Massively key. And I think that you're you're a really big pro at that. You're probably, you have the most skill, I think, in anybody I've ever learned or experienced. Well, the, the challenge for me is to stay in a 50-50 mindset that the person in front of me also is contributing to the thing. I, I have a, my Achilles heel is to take too much responsibility for whatever's happening. Exactly. And I attempt to support you with that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I do. I know you do. I appreciate that a lot. And, yeah. and you've shown up for me so many ways and including with yourself, you know, mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. this is where the vow of protecting each other, you know, even from ourselves comes into play is like we could easily get into a dynamic where because my tendency is to take more responsibility that I become the one who's responsible for the conflict or the rupture or the whatever. And we could both ascribe to that view. But what happens here, and I'm so grateful for the way you show up here, is that you're you're not willing to go along with that because it's an imbalance in the system and it comes from a younger place in me. Yeah. And it's tricky because there are times when I want to be less responsible and you taking more responsibility is like, yeah. it's like a little bit of an out for that part of me that doesn't want to take as much responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so that requires that I need to be on top of that and work with that. And, but ultimately it, it's not as fulfilling to me if someone is overtaking responsibility. It's almost like I don't get the opportunity to be challenged and to be called out the way that I actually really want to be. So and need to be. Yeah. Thank you for caring so much for that. And, you know, I, this goes into so many other areas that we can talk about on future episodes, but I, I think it's probably obvious to say, but the having a partner who is committed to growth and committed to fairness and equity and mutual responsibility and all of the things that we are committed to is essential for these imbalances to keep getting, you know, it's like riding a bike. You're constantly falling one way or the other and you're, you're going down the road as you true things up. So right. thank you. Feeling yeah. really grateful for the way you show up in the world. And with well, me. I, I do want to attribute this to our vows and our, our relationship agreements that turn into vows, because I feel like that's the container and the context for us to, be able to call each other out and hold ourselves accountable and show up in the way that we are. So, and obviously it takes the, the person to want to do that. So we hit the jackpot with that. And 
for sure. But going back to really loving our partner through the holiday season, there's a couple other little pieces that I just want to bring in before we wrap up. One is being open to an elevated new experience with each other. I think that too often, like you were saying, because of these patterns in our system from our histories, they can take over. But if we're only bracing against those patterns and not attempting to bring in a new elevated experience into this circumstance, whatever it is, family, social, festive, anything, New Year's Eve, whatever it is that you celebrate this time of year, then we're not actually attempting to do something really different unless we're practicing what you and I are talking about and also open to a new experience. So I wanted to mention that. I so appreciate that you brought that up. It's so important to be playing offense and going toward the desirable experience rather than only just playing defense and trying not to have the negative experience that that you had in the past. Thank you for saying that. It's so important. Yeah. And then I just wanted to bring up one other thing, which is this conversation that we've been having recently about family and how many times are we actually going to be in these different family situations. We started to get into this kind of estimating the year that we're going to leave this world. Like how old are we actually going to be? If we could guess, if we could guess, obviously nobody knows, but how old are we going to be? And then we have, there's a death calculator out there, which is like, what, how many weeks do you have left? How many months do you have left based on you passing away at this particular year? And then if you work backwards from there and you have a circumstance where you're only seeing particular family members one or two times a year, for example, you could look back and be like, wow, I'm only going to see, potentially see this person for another X amount of times based on their age, based on how often we see them, based on how we, when we think we're going to die. And it actually brings a lot of levity to these circumstances, at least for me, when I'm like, wow, I may only see my parents for 20 more times or or maybe we're only going to see your family members for 10 more times. It's kind of like brings it into a real a reality. Tell me more about how that brings up levity for you. Because when I hear you describing <laughs> that, I start getting all, all tight and uh, perfectionistic about what these next 20 times is going to be like. <laughs> Good point. Yes. Thank you for asking that. It brings levity in me because I'm like, so what if we're just using a, I'm going to use a fake uncle that I don't actually have, but like, <laughs> so what if the, this fake horrible uncle shows up and he, you know, he's kind of an ass, you know, it's kind of like, do I need to wrap myself around an axle? Because there's not a lot of times that I'm going to have this opportunity. Maybe instead I come to him with a little bit of levity and I make a joke back at him about the, his way of being that brings levity to the situation and humor versus make wrong. And maybe he actually, you know, does something different next time. But like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be as stressful. This is what I'm trying to say. If I have the perception that I don't actually have that many more opportunities to be with these people, then I really want to show up in a different way. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because for me, it brings up a different experience of just the awareness of impermanence and it raises an imperative in my system of being really present in these moments, not in yeah. a stressful way, but just in a way of like, oh, when my phone rings in my pocket while I'm at this 
holiday party with the family, like I'm not going to go look at it right away. You know, I'm going to stay in the conversation with the person. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's an element for me too. Hmm. I like the levity piece though. I'm going to practice that. I guess it's the levity piece around the places where it's like the circumstance where you have to just kind of feel like you got to get through it. Mm-hmm. Bear down and get through it. And... Yeah. Like it, there's more levity. Yeah. And I totally agree with you that I get into wanting to be much more present, but not wrapped around my axle about stupid little stuff that happens that, you know, my four-year-old can come out and have a tantrum about. <laughs> okay. Now I understand better. So you're talking about like the the grinding inside yourself of seeing this person do the same pattern again and the attachment that maybe a younger part of you kind of needed them to be different. And so as a grown up, like in that space, like you, you're acknowledging that you actually don't need them to be different because there's only a few more sessions you're going to have with them. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And keep that in mind. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, should we share our gift? You ready to do that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, we are really excited at the close of this year, 2023. We realize that this is a, a timely opportunity for those of you who are listening in real time. But we want to offer the first five people that reach out to us, we want to offer a 30-minute gift to you and your partner through a 30-minute coaching session. Part of this is just to get in touch with you, to get to know you, to support you and your partner, wherever you're finding challenge that we haven't spoken about or that you can't quite get through, we would love to get together as a foursome and make some contact and give you some insights potentially about how we would handle that. Yeah, we want to thank the people who have reached out to us. We've gotten so many amazing, amazing comments and feedback sessions from people showing up to let us know how this show is impacting them. And we just want to say thank you. So helpful to hear feedback. So we look forward to meeting you in these 30 minute sessions and connecting with you there. Again, if you, the first five that reach out to us before 2024 comes, then we'll get you on the calendar and you can reach out to us at team, T-E-A-M at KristaVanderveer.com. Thank you for listening. And uh, enjoy navigating these sometimes challenging moments in the holidays. Yeah, we hope that this has been supportive for your experience. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If this show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together like butter and toast on the art of we.